Hello, this is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from a Revelation Timeline Decoded YouTube video series that I made in 2021. The videos were very low tech, mostly me reading what's on the screen, so you're not missing much in the audio version. The Revelation Layers Chart and Summary PDFs that I refer to in the videos can be found at www.revelationtimelinedecoded.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David, and in this video, I am covering the four beast kingdoms, which are defined in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, as they provide the proper context of the beast in Revelation. So, in order to understand Messiah's apocalyptic vision, we need to understand the prophecies that were given to Daniel as they interlocked. You will see that Daniel pointed to four beast kingdoms, the last of which is the Roman beast kingdom that stays in power until Messiah returns. And this is important because there's people who proclaim that Daniel is pointing to seven or eight different kingdoms. So they're saying the kingdoms of Daniel 2 are different from the kingdoms of Daniel 7. So they're describing seven or eight kingdoms. They base that on false associations of Revelation 13 and 17. But you will see through this that all Daniel is talking about is four beast kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, uh, Greece, and Rome. And that's it. And then you will see that John picks up the narrative of the Roman beast kingdom, the fourth one, by describing the Satan-empowered leaders of the Roman beast kingdom in Revelation 12 and 13. And he's pointing to the leaders, the Antichrist beast popes and the false prophet Jesuit superior generals. In his observations of the prophecies of Daniel and the Apocalypse, um, Sir Isaac Newton, who obviously was a brilliant man, but he, he studied a lot of prophecy, and he told us that the prophecies in Daniel is the most distinct in order and time and the easiest to be understood, therefore, that they are the key to the rest. So what he's saying is, we need to know these four beast kingdoms in order to understand Revelation. Um, the apocalyptic vision of John is written in the same style and language with the prophecies of Daniel. has the same relation to them, which they have to one another, so that all of them make together one complete prophecy. And the apocalypse should be regarded, he says, as the New Testament sequel to the book of Daniel. Books of Daniel and Revelation may be considered as parts one and two of a single prophecy. You know, a prophecy related to the same subject presenting the same, you know, symbolic forms. So that's what we're going to talk about here. So here's the simple explanation. Um, and I provide this on my website on the Revelation Timeline Decoded website. But Daniel basically described four, or I should say five great kingdoms, four beast kingdoms and then Messiah's kingdom, which was set up. And so he's telling us, you know, which kingdom would be in power to the end when Messiah returns. And here's an image of the statue in Daniel 2 and then the four beasts um, in Daniel 7. And you see Babylon, you see the times, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And so you're seeing the, you can't see the color, sorry, but uh, the head of gold is, is the lion and the chest of silver is the bear and it has three ribs in its mouth. The uh, waist, right, of brass is Greece and then, and it's the leopard. 
And then the two legs, the iron legs is Rome, and that's the dreadful beast. The first kingdom was Babylon, which was in power from 612 to 539 BC. The head of gold of Daniel 2, the lion of Daniel 7, was the empire of Babylon. And so Daniel 7 foretells us that, that it's like a lion, it had eagle's wings, um, but they were plucked out. And it was lifted up from the earth, made to stand as a man. So it was humbled. It was a mighty empire and it was made that its wings were plucked, meaning it's, you know, conquering was ended and it was taken over and humbled. The kingdom of Babylon was strong, courageous and fierce as a lion. And in fact, they used the lion as a symbol. There's a lion on the Ishtar gate at the entrance of Babylon. The second kingdom was Medo-Persia, which was in power from 539 to 331. And that's the chest of silver in Daniel 2, the bear of Daniel 7. Uh, we see that in Daniel 7, 5. It's talking about another beast, a second, like a bear. Raises itself up on one side, had three ribs in its mouth, it devoured much flesh. Well, the Medes and Persians, they were fierce, ravenous people. They destroyed many kingdoms and their hunger could not be satisfied like a bear. Like a bear, their army was huge up to 1.5 million people, and they just overwhelmed the enemy with their size. And the Medes rose first, so that's the raise on one side, um, and sent uh, Cyrus the Persian to come and assist him. The leader uh, sent to Cyrus the Persian to come assist him. So the Persian army joined in, but it was stronger. So you see the raise on one side. The three ribs in its mouth were Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt. So they were oppressed by the Medes and Persians. That was the ribs um, that were ground in the mouth of the bear. So we have that fulfillment. And in Daniel 6.1, we see it speaking of the Medo-Persian leader, Darius. In Daniel 6.8, again, it's pointing to the law of the Medes and Persians when um, it's the story of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. Right? So right there, it's telling us. Still the, we're in Daniel 6, right? And it's talking about the Medes and Persians. It ends, that chapter ends with talking about Cyrus the Persian. So once again, we're seeing Darius, we're seeing Cyrus, they're Persians, reinforcing that Daniel's talking about four beast kingdoms. Daniel 8 is talking about the Medo-Persian Empire. Right, So it's talking about where one side was stronger. So the Persian portion was stronger. It was a higher horn. So you see these horns and you got a, one was higher than the other. It's simply talking about the, the Medo-Persian empire. One horn, one side, one leader, if you will, was stronger, more powerful than the other. And Daniel stayed in Babylon, even after the Jews were released from captivity. And we see that in Daniel 10. So he's telling you, he's pointing you to Cyrus, king of Persia, in the third year of his reign. Once again, Daniel 10, talking about Persia. And in Daniel 11, once again, we see that it's talking about Cyrus of Persia. And it's pointing to Grecia coming to power, right? So it's, it's pointing to the Persian Empire coming to an end. And the Grecian Empire coming to power. Once again, we see that Daniel is only talking about these four beast kingdoms. The third kingdom of Daniel's visions was Greece, which was in power from 331 to 168. So we have the waste of brass in Daniel 2, the leopard of Daniel 7, the Grecian Empire. So Daniel 7, 6 is pointing to that. He's pointing to the leopard. And it had wings, you know, four wings uh, on its back. 
and it had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Well, Alexander the Great and his Grecian army moved swiftly like a leopard as they were agile in their battles, and their weapons and strategies made them very effective. They gained dominion over the known world of his day in only 10 years by the time he was 32. Alexander died in his 30s with no surviving heirs, so his kingdom was divided among his four top generals. So the four wings is pointing to his generals who took over the kingdom, who helped him conquer and then became the heads of the empire. Daniel 8 gives the vision of the ram and the he-goat, which represents Persia being destroyed and succeeded by the army of Greece once again. Verse 20 points to the kings of Media and Persia. Verse 21 points to the kingdom of Greece. And the mighty world-conquering king who overthrew the power of Persia was Alexander the Great, right? The large horn talks about his fourfold division. We see the correlation between those verses. The little horn of Daniel 8 was Antichius. He was of Syria, the Syrian armies, Grecian armies. So he's called the little horn because he wasn't as great of a leader as Alexander the Great, who was the notable horn. So we see that fulfilled. Daniel 10 speaks of a change of power from Persia to Greece. So we see that reinforced, right? So we see that transition. And then Daniel 11 mixes a lot of different narratives, but it's given us the continuous historical narrative of the events of the kingdoms of Medo-Persia, Greece, Antichius, and then Rome. Alexander the Great of Greece, the mighty king, rose up and ruled out with great dominion. Um, the kings of Syria, of the north, See, your people refer to the kings of the north, kings of the south, assigning that to countries in the current time. But it's pointing back to the leaders of the Syrian army, the leaders of Egypt. So it's pointing back to a time that's already come and gone. It's not pointing to present day. So we're not looking for the king of the north or the king of the south to rise up in the end times. It's already been fulfilled. And we see Antichius, the little horn of Daniel 8, the leader of the Syrian army. He was a vile person. He surrounded Jerusalem with his armies. Um, that was the abomination of desolation. So they were the, the pagan um, Antichius and his army. They were pagans. So they were an abomination to the Jews. They caused desolation. They killed tens of thousands of Jews. So they desolated it. He defiled the, the temple, controlled it for 2,300 days. And then the Maccabean revolt rose up, you know, and took back control of the temple and they cleansed it. And then Roman King Herod exalted himself above all gods. And to protect his kingdom, he decreed for the slaughter of the babes of Beth in Bethlehem, where Messiah was born. Um, Caesar Augustus conquered many countries, such as Egypt. He took power of their treasuries. Um, we have the Maccabean revolt. So all those things are described in that chapter. And then the legs of iron in Daniel 2 is the dreadful beast of Daniel 7, the Roman Empire. And he's talking about a fourth dreadful beast, strong, exceedingly strong, had great iron teeth, right? So we got iron teeth, and in Daniel 2, we have iron legs. It devoured and broke in pieces. It stamped with its feet. It was diverse from other beasts that were before it, and it had 10 horns, right? So it was empowered during Messiah's ministry and when John wrote Revelation. The two legs of iron point to the split of the Western and Eastern divisions. And pagan Rome collapsed internally from the seal judgments. Then army after army were sent to attack it during the trumpet judgments, which resulted in the Western Roman emperor being removed from power in 476 AD. It then split into 10 civil kingdoms, symbolized by the 10 toes of the statue in Daniel 2. 
and the ten horns of the dreadful beast in Daniel 7. So we can see the direct association of the four beast kingdoms of Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, which point to the ten kingdoms of the fallen Roman Empire. But the fulfillment of Daniel 7, 8 and 7.25 absolutely lock them together. So we know that the fourth beast kingdom is Rome. So Daniel 7, 8 says, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And then Daniel 7.24 says, And the ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the first ones, and he shall subdue three kings. So, what it's talking about is that the it's talking about the, the fall of the Roman Empire into ten civil kingdoms. So, after the restrainer of Second Thessalonians 2, who was the Western Roman Emperor, it's not the Holy Spirit in the end time, so it's the Western Roman Emperor who held the bishops of Rome from gaining power. He was removed as part of the fourth trumpet judgment. In the son of perdition, the popes of Rome then took powers. The popes of Rome demanded that the ten kings of the fallen Roman Empire bow down to their authority. Three of them would not, the Heruli, Ostrogoths, and Vandals. They would not, and the popes caused them to be plucked out, meaning removed from power. These three leaders were removed from power and the popes took control of the area of their three kingdoms. Interestingly, the three kings, who would not bow down to their authority, to the authority of the popes, were part of the trumpet judgments which caused the fall of the Western Roman Empire. So they weren't going to bow down to the authority of the Roman bishop, right? They weren't going to bow down to their authority. They just came and conquered or attacked the Roman Empire and took control of part of the of the empire itself. So they weren't going to bow down to anybody and they got plucked out. And then when we look in Revelation 17, should say verses 12 to 13, it points to the 10 kingdoms bowing their authority to the Antichrist beast popes. And so it's talking about 10 kings. Uh, they received no kingdom as of yet, but received their power as kings one hour with the beast. They have one mind, shall give their power and strength to the beast. So basically it's just saying, here's 10 kings. They just inherited their kingdom. They haven't really reigned in power because they just after 476 they took authority in their area in their you know in their what's called the kingdom um they're not a beast kingdom but they're just a kingdom one of the ten and they took authority and they reigned for a little while but then the popes demanded their them to bow down to his authority and they had one mind and they gave their power unto the beast unto the antichrist beast popes daniel 7 25 also points to the roman pope says he shall speak pompous words against the most high he shall persecute the saints of the most high shall intend to change the times and the law and the saints will be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time well the antichrist beast popes have proclaimed to be god and to forgive sins which is blasphemous that's pompous words they caused tens of millions of saints to be killed during the dark ages in the inquisition so the saints so he persecuted the saints of the most high they changed the calendar to be based on the sun alone instead of the sun and moon, which scripture declares, to hide the scriptural calendar. They caused the year to start in winter instead of in the spring, which is more natural. They removed the second commandment of the Ten Commandments to hide that they make and bow down to idols. And they created pagan-based holidays to hide the Heavenly Father's seven holy feast days, which Messiah is fulfilling to redeem the set-apart saints. So we see how the popes of Rome fulfilled 
Daniel 7.25, once again, locking in that the fourth beast of Daniel 7 is the same as the fourth beast of Daniel 2. And the popes reigned in power for 1260 years, from 538 to 1798. That fulfills the time and times and half a time. So time is a year. Times is two years and half a time is half a year. So we're pointing to 1260 days. And that ended up being one day equals one year. It's 1260 years. So in 538, they gained, the popes were given religious and civil power, making him the head of all churches, the head of the Roman beast kingdom. In 1798, during the Fifth Bull Judgment, Napoleon's army marched into Rome, captured the pope, and is ending his reign of power. So we see that Daniel only pointed to four beast kingdoms, the last one being the Rome, Roman beast kingdom. And then John picks up the narrative by describing the Satan-empowered leaders of the Roman beast kingdom in Revelation 12 and 13. He's pointing to the pagan Roman emperors who were used to try to wipe out Messiah's early church, killing millions of saints. He's pointing next to the Antichrist beast popes who, once again, killed they killed tens of millions of saints during the Dark Ages and the Inquisition. And then he's pointing to the false prophet Jesuit superior generals, who now control the Roman beast kingdom. So, you know, in its simplest form, Revelation describes the historical battle of the Satan-empowered leaders of the Roman beast kingdom fighting against Messiah and his saints. So, I just wanted to provide that explanation. I really am going to start providing videos on Revelation, but we have to have the right foundation. We really have to understand who the fourth beast kingdom that Daniel was describing. And, and also... Um, and like I said, you can read the study for a few more details um, on my website and in my book. I give, you know, the detailed explanation also about Daniel. Because when people make up narratives about Daniel 11, Daniel 12, ba Daniel, um, all those different explanations, then we're trying to figure out, well, how does that fit in the end times? But what I'm telling you is that Daniel was simply pointing to the, those four beast kingdoms and all the chapters of his book are about those four beast kingdoms. And I didn't cover it on the PowerPoint, but in Daniel 12, and you can see this on, in, on my Olivet Discourse uh, website and in my book, the Daniel 12 is talking about the three and a half years of tribulation for the Jewish nation. So I didn't cover it in this, in, on this PowerPoint or or the word document that I'm, I was reading through on this video. But basically what he's doing is he's describing, Daniel wanted to know, he, he was already told in Daniel 9, that the Jews would deliver Messiah up to be killed. And he understood that. And he understood that the punishment of that was that the temple, which was going to be rebuilt, the temple and the city would be desolated again as punishment for the Jewish leaders rejecting the promised Messiah and delivering up to be killed. And, and Daniel was distraught. He didn't eat for weeks and he wanted more information. And Daniel 12 is that answer. And you can, like I said, see the study on my website or in my book and the Olivet Discourse book. What it's describing is the Jewish-Roman War of 66 to 70 AD. And it's describing Messiah in his Olivet Discourse is describing the desolation of Jerusalem, the temple, and the Jewish nation. In all the things that he described, he described as taking place in that generation. The ending point of that was that during this Jewish-Roman war, 
1.1 million Jews died in and around Jerusalem from famine, pestilence, infighting. They slit each other's throats. They had a civil war, um, crucifixion, evisceration, and by the Roman sword. And they weren't allowed to bury any bodies because the Roman army was outside the city. So bodies were either stacked up inside the city or they were thrown into the valleys around it. And so it was just the most horrible uh, time of tribulation that we can even imagine. And that's what Messiah said. It, it would be the worst scene ever. Cover that in gory detail in my all of that discourse book. So basically what I'm saying is Daniel 12 is about what happened um, during the reign of the Roman beast kingdom as Messiah sent them to desolate Jerusalem, the temple, and the Jewish nation. So again, it's not about the end times. It's already been fulfilled. And so I just wanted to provide that additional explanation so that we're not looking for a future fulfillment of the seventh of Daniel. We're not looking for a future fulfillment of Daniel 12 or any of the other prophecies. The only thing we see really that I can see is in Daniel 2, um, you have the uncut stone which is cast at the feet of the statue. And that just represents uh, Messiah and his saints casting down the enemy from power. And that's it. So hope that makes sense. I've Thank you for listening to this Revelation Timeline Decoded audio. You can request a free copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded summary PDF or order a printed copy of the book, which explains it in detail at revelationtimelinedecoded.com. I love y'all. Shalom.